I don't want to minimize this for any woman who experiences it, but it feels traumatic. It does when you're first told, okay, trying to conceive could be impossible. <laughs> like it's hard to swallow that pill. And, you know, now that I'm a little bit on the other side, obviously I'm not pregnant yet, but I can reassure your listeners that it's not necessarily like a hard line in the sand. There are so many options and you don't have to lose hope if you get a diagnosis like diminished ovarian reserve. It doesn't mean the door is closed in your face. Hey guys, it's Carly. And this is Jade. Welcome to Mommy's Tell All. Oh my gosh, I'm very excited about this episode today, Jay, because we have Sarah Heron on, and I miss Sarah Heron all the time, and I feel like I don't keep up. I keep up with her on Instagram, but not like in life, and I finally get to see her face and talk to her, and I feel like it's been since like paradise that I've done that. I love Sarah too, and I love that she is one of the people who keeps it real on Instagram and her social media, and she's always so open. So I'm really excited to have her on the podcast today because she is going to catch us up on everything going on in her life, including her love life and where she is with her life planning, including some interesting fertility things that she's doing, which I'm very interested in hearing about. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Sarah and I always talked about having babies when we were on Paradise, but we were both single at the time. (laughs) (laughs) How much life changes in what? What's it been like four, five years, four years? I don't even know. I can't keep up anymore with time. (laughs) No. Also, you know what I've like been struggling with lately? The, you know, when people ask you like, how, how many months is your kid? And you're supposed to like know that. That really annoys me. Like, why can't I just say like one, my kid's a year and a half or my kid's one or my kid. And then that just is fine. Instead of being like, my kid is 20 months. Then, then even if I came up to someone who didn't like have kids, I was like, oh, my kid's 20 months. They would think I was insane. (laughs) Like, what does that even mean? Why do we do that? My kid is 47 months. Like, yes. Like, how many months old are we? I'm going to start doing that to people. How many months? How old are you? Oh, I'm, I don't even know. That's a lot of math. Like, when do you technically stop that, though? I guess you could say at one, I don't know. At one and a half, one, but mostly definitely two. Like, after two, you're not like, my kid is 27 months. Does it just start because, like, during pregnancy, like, you count in weeks and then you go to the month? Like, why? Why? Why does that happen? Just milestones? I think it's milestones. I think it's just because a three-month baby and an eight-month baby, there's such a huge difference. Yeah, I guess you it's You know, true. so. I don't know. It's starting to drive me crazy, though. Somebody the other day when I said, oh, he's one and a half, they were like, oh, yeah, but, like, how many months? I was like, really? I don't know. Like, <laughs> I don't, that, that math is too much for my, like, You're like I'm mom just, brain right now. I'm just trying I'm just to live. Tr- we're just trying to live day to day. We don't count by month to month. Um, but yeah, that, I've been struggling with that lately. Yeah, That's not even a real struggle. I just think it's funny. It is funny. It is. <laughs> I mean, because it is like people would if, – if I went around because Emerson's four in August. If I was like, she's 47 months, people would be like, <laughs> you got issues, lady. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Like what – they would say like, what does that mean in years? Yeah. Right? Well, Yeah. Unless somebody's really good at math. <laughs> I don't know. I don't even know anymore. I'm living in a cloud. I'm still like kind of sick. I started taking a steroid. Um, I had one from a, like I went 
to the uh, doctor for my back like a few months ago because my back was hurting so bad from this. I don't know. I've had back pain since after I had Bella and they gave me a steroid, but I never took it. But I've had this sinus thing. And finally, I was like, I'm going to take the steroid. But I'm the hungriest person that's ever lived because right now. because of the steroid. I that's the only thing I can think of. Like, I'm not pregnant. I'm not on my period. I just have started taking the steroid and then I can I'm like a garbage. I'm I'm just I just put everything like give me anything and I will eat it and I will eat all of it. And then two hours later, I'm going to eat more. It's weird. We should hang out because that's all I do, too. <laughs> let's just we have an excuse because you have a baby still on your boob. Let's just hang out on the couch and eat. That sounds amazing. I mean, it's so weird, though, because I don't I'm just not I don't know. In the last like six months or something, I just haven't like I'm not a really big snacker. Like if I want something random, it'll be like, oh, I want a piece of chocolate and I'll have like a chocolate Hershey nugget or something. And then I'm like good for a while. But right now I'm just like ravenous. I eat. I definitely eat more than Tanner does. Do you? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But you're so tiny. How does it work? I guess it's it's the it's breastfeeding, it's breastfeeding I, guess. I guess, because I feel like I and I eat faster. I eat so much food and I eat faster than him. And he's That's so weird because you used to eat slow. Yeah, no, I I kill. I like crush food. Well, I guess it's like mom life. You don't have time to like sit. That's you true. Just, That's a mom thing too. You shove it in, then you go. I think I've forgotten how to like sit and like slowly eat and enjoy my food. I'm just like <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you used to be the slow person. Yeah. Like I'd always be done and you're but you also like you even you use your utensils like properly. You do your fork upside down. Like when you cut <laughs> and then you put your fork this way. Do you still do that? I'm sure. I just don't really pay attention anymore. Yeah, you've always like done it like proper. It's like the proper way. And I've always just been like, like I don't know. I'm like, I don't know. You're proper. But I've always been like, oh man, look. She like cuts that so nicely and then like puts just a little tiny bite into her mouth. I don't know. It's something I've always noticed about you. You're a proper <laughs> slow eater. Now you're like, not anymore. The true mom. Yeah. I'm like the mom that goes around and eats like all the leftovers off the plates too. I'm like picking up plates, putting them in a dishwasher, like just eating the scraps. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I get that. I for sure get that. Yours definitely must be hormones though with the steroids. It's like, oh my gosh, I'm the hungriest. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And also you sending me that video of the kids, your boys, yeah. not wrestling, but like whatever, rough housing. It was like Dude. a it was like a WWE chokehold yes. slam. I don't yes. I don't even know what you call it, but Brooks is a lot like he's just really rough lately. He's two now. And uh we were just Reed is crawling and pulling himself up on everything. And Reed was standing against the coffee table. And he was just like being his like cute little self and kind of like moving his body and being like, wee, I'm up on the coffee table. And Brooks, I think, was trying to show him affection, but came over and he's like so big compared to him. He looks like this massive big baby and puts his arms around him. And just like it was like pretty impressive, to be honest. I was like. That's, I mean, you got, you have good form. Like, can't deny that. But he just, like, wraps his, like, arm around his, Reed's neck, like, in a chokehold, wraps his other arm under Reed's armpit and just goes, <gasps> whoom, and, like, <laughs> backwards slams him. 
Dude, kids are nuts. I know. And I was like, I could see it happening in slow motion. And I was like, oh, God. And I tried to like. And then your phone just turns off. <laughs> I was like, ah, God. But he was, Reed was okay. He was just like very startled. He was looking at me like, what happened to me? I was just like standing, but. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. You know, Evan, because he only had boys before, whenever the kids go over to his house, like every other weekend, they wrestle and tackle. And so I didn't teach him that, but they do the same thing. And it makes me so nervous. Yeah. Like whenever I hear like Evan talking to Bella, he'll be like, I can't wait to tackle you and tickle you. And I'm like, why do we have to tackle? Why can't we just like, (laughs) why can't we play nice? But yeah, they tackle, wrestle and stuff all the time. I'm just like, oh my God, please We do. We do. We have like one of those like cushy couch things, like the nuggets. So we do on the nugget. We do on the bed upstairs in the guest room. Like we'll get rough housey on a cushy area, but not against like a sharp edged coffee table, please. Oh, my God. Bella has this giant bruise on her face from the coffee table. Yeah. She also has a giant bruise on her forehead from I don't even know what. She woke up and had a bruise. I'm like, you just woke up. Like, literally woke up and had a bruise on your forehead. Like, how did that even happen? I don't even know. <laughs> this poor kid. Wrestling so in her sleep. Her face. I guess so. Well, anyway, I'm really excited to talk to Sarah today. Also, I want to hear all about, like, her fiance and how they met and how – how she knew he was the one and all of the things as well as just talking about fertility treatment because I need some love in my life. Some good, warm feelings. Yeah, we need some good, warm feelings. So when we get back, we will have Sarah Heron on. I'm so excited to talk to her. Um, But right now we're going to take a really short break to hear from some of our sponsors. Hi, Sarah. Hi. Oh, my gosh. I miss both of you. Uh, I'm so excited that you're on today and that we can actually talk and I don't just like have to see your face on like Instagram, even though your face is beautiful and always is amazing <laughs> on Instagram. <laughs> Thank you. Oh my gosh. Thanks for having me. And I can't believe it's been like forever, probably like three years since I've seen either of you. Was the last time we saw you at that, of the SheLift event? Was that it? I don't I can't keep track anymore, but that was so long know. ago. I think, Jade, the last time I saw you was at, um, why am I blinking? Is it Colton's uh, premiere? Yes, that's right. That thing was, oh my God, that thing was bonkers. Yeah, I'm like, what was his name? I can't believe I totally spaced that. Sorry, Colton. <laughs> <laughs> I would not I would not have been able to even tell you whose season it was, so. <laughs> <laughs> totally. That was a while ago, too. Okay, so your life, you are engaged. Congratulations. Yay. Thank oh my you. gosh. I feel like I've been like waiting for that day to happen. I was like, one day, like it's going to happen. They're for sure going to get married. Like, but when is this going to happen? And then when it happened, I was just like, oh, God, all the feels because you're just like the most deserving person of love ever. Oh, thank you. I know. I, I'm glad it finally happened too. And <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, really happy. Um, I mean, we knew, I knew. Dylan and I, like, we know we are going to spend our lives together and that, like, we would, you know, commit to each other permanently eventually. We just didn't know, like, when. And it wasn't, like, a huge rush when you know you're going to be with that person. So, um, but then, like, going through everything with IVF, it just kind of felt like, well, we know we're going to spend our lives together. So let's just, like, make it official. Yeah. And, um, 
So I tricked him into it, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about your fertility journey right now. So when did you start being like, I want to do something about this? Like, how did how did this happen? Where are you at? Yeah, it started about a year ago. I just the light bulb went off probably from watching you guys on Instagram. Like I just was like, I feel so sure that I want to be a mom. And I feel so sure about trying now like starting to try now. So yeah. And and it was tough because like Dylan and I hadn't talked about marriage yet. But I went to him and I said, I'm absolutely sure that I want to be a mom and I'm going to start doing everything in my power to move towards that. Mm-hmm. Are you down? And he was like, yeah, that sounds pretty cool. Let's do oh it. God, I love him. <laughs> yeah. And so we started trying. Um, I Well, first I immediately went to my OBGYN and I said, I want to do like all my labs and get my hormones tested because we're going to start trying for a kid. And I did do this two years prior, got all my hormones tested with Whitney um, oh, you did? Yes. Did you both go see Whitney? I did. Yeah, okay. Carly did. So I saw Whitney two years prior, and I had a general idea of my hormone count. And Whitney is at Ova. Ova yeah. Is that the full in name? Chicago. Ova. Mm-hmm. In Chicago. Ova Fertility Center. Yeah. So if anyone's yeah. listening and is in Chicago, um, hit up Whitney and Ova. They're the best. That's where I froze my eggs. They're the best. Yeah. 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 Um, and so is my doctor, Dr. Amy in San Ramon, Egg Whisperer. Yeah, They're all great. <laughs> I mean. We'll plug everyone. Yes, I, I had seen Whitney and my hormone levels were good, but they weren't like exceptional. And so two years later yeah. when we were ready to start having kids, I was like, I should go get tested again. So I went to my OBGYN and the hormones came back not great. Sorry, I think I skipped a step. We tried naturally for six months. Um, okay. Sorry, I'm all over the place. We tried naturally for six months and I had no luck, like none. And I was tracking my cycle regularly with an app. I was taking my temperature. Mm-hmm. We were timing intercourse and there was nothing. Yeah. Yet my cycle was very regular. Like I was ovulating same day, same time, every month. And so it just didn't really make sense. So I went and got my hormones tested and sure enough, they had like dropped pretty significantly since I had seen Whitney two years prior. Interesting. So that was like the catalyst for, okay, like this is going to be, um, you know, maybe a longer fertility journey than I had expected. Yeah. And it, it's interesting how I feel like you probably felt that way because you knew it was time was going faster than you thought. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I'm 34 years old. Like they, you know, it's like they say, if, if you're trying naturally and you're not having luck after six months and you're 36 or over, like you should go get your hormones tested. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, I knew in the back of my mind, okay, you know, if we're not having luck, something could be going on. And my OBGYN ended up diagnosing me with diminished ovarian reserve which essentially means I had low um, follicle count. Um, okay. And then I also had low AMH, which is anti-malarian hormone. It's a hormone that your body produces. It, it can be a good indicator of your ovarian reserve. So okay. all this to say, it means that I'm not quite there, but I will probably be premenopausal because my 
ovarian reserve is essentially that of like a early 40s woman. Okay. Um, so it turns out that's it's pretty common. It's not rare by any means um, for some women to just be at that stage earlier in their 30s. So she gave us a couple options from there. She said, you can try some rounds of you know, hormones and we can do intrauterine insemination or you can go straight to IVF. And all of this was, of course, very over- overwhelming when I first found out and felt pretty like, I mean, I don't want to minimize this for any woman who experiences it, but it feels traumatic. It does when you're first told, okay, trying to conceive could be impossible. <laughs> like it's hard to swallow that pill. And, you know, now that I'm a little bit on the other side, obviously I'm not pregnant yet, but I can reassure your listeners that it's not necessarily like a hard line in the sand. There are so many options and you don't have to lose hope if you get a diagnosis like diminished ovarian reserve. It doesn't mean the door is closed in your face. Um, So I just want to encourage anyone listening that if if you do get a diagnosis like this, or if you recently did, it is not the the end of the world. Like there's definitely solutions. That was kind of like, you know, she said, here's what, here's what your prognosis is. Here are your options. And then Dylan and I had to decide from there which direction we wanted to move. And so you just went, you decided to go straight to IVF just. Yeah. So I actually did two rounds of taking medication. It's was it like the shots. Not yet. No, this is just a pill and it's called letrozole. Um, It's very commonly prescribed to women who want to continue trying naturally with the support of a hormone pill. Okay. Um, But my doctor said, you know, if it doesn't work within two to three tries, it probably won't. It's not really a hormone that's worth trying over and over again. And so I did two cycles. It didn't work. I started chatting with more and more women I know who've gone through infertility And basically, I'll break it down. Your options are IUI, which stands for intrauterine insemination. And this is, this can be done in your gynecologist's office. It's where your partner will give a sperm sample. They will essentially wash the sperm down to like the most potent, strong version of the sperm. And then they inseminate it into you. So lack of better words, they kind of like turkey based it into you. <laughs> sexy. It's, yeah, so sexy. And the hope is that this is assisting the sperm to reach its way to the eggs. Mm-hmm. Um, so sometimes this is really successful for couples that like maybe just for whatever reason, the sperm isn't meeting the egg on its own naturally. Mm-hmm. And so this just further assists it and it can cost like a couple thousand dollars, but it's not anywhere near as expensive as IVF. Yeah. Um, And like I said, it can be done in your gynecologist's office. Um, So that's option one. Option two is IVF, which stands for in in vitro fertilization. And this is where you have to go see a reproductive endocrinologist. This is a fertility specialist. And, um, And then this is obviously like much more intricate. This is where they extract your eggs. They take the semen. They inseminate the egg. 
in a petri dish essentially and then they transfer it back into the uterus and all of that takes many months and a lot of money which i can explain in more detail so those were the two options and many women suggested you know skip iui save the money you would spend there and just put it straight into ivf or some women would suggest no take the gamble do the iui first because it could work and then you're saving yourself potentially tens of thousands of dollars. But I decided to go straight with IVF <laughs> because I just, I was like, let's just get the show on the road. I, you know, I want to make this work. I don't want to spend countless months and, you know, I mean, it's still going to take countless months, but I just wanted to shave off a little bit if I could. And simultaneously I was put in touch with Dr. Amy Avazadeh, her Instagram handle is the egg whisperer. I was put in touch with Dr. Amy and it just seemed like this is the route I want to go. And I was very sure of it. That's so great. So where are you right now? Thank you so much for sharing, by the way, Sarah. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. I, yeah, I hope I can be as informative as possible in our short amount of time together because there's so much and it is very like, it can be overwhelming. There's so much to learn about all of it. And I hope your listeners can at least like get as much information as possible. Um, so thank you for letting me share. And if any of this feels, if you're like, just dial it back, we don't care. No, <laughs> no I we love it. it. Give it all to us. There's so yeah. many women out there going through the exact same thing that you're just going to like resonate with. So thank you yeah. for being open. So you're welcome. Okay, so where <laughs> we are, I have done my egg retrieval. So there's a couple of different stages. You start with your egg retrieval, and then essentially you can you have two options. Once they retrieve your eggs and they fertilize them, they can transfer them back in within a, a couple of days or they can freeze them, send them off for genetic testing, and then ensure that you have genetically normal embryos and then they will transfer them back in. Man, science is so cool. It's crazy. So we've done our egg retrieval and we are having them genetic, going through genetic testing. I'll just share, prior to going into my egg retrieval, I had nine follicles. So when you go in for a vaginal ultrasound, they will look at how many follicles are in each ovary. And the follicle is what has the potential to produce an egg. And as you know, every month you release one egg. The ovaries alternate between left and right. So your left ovary might have three follicles, the right one might have seven. And it can kind of fluctuate cycle to cycle. But typically, only one follicle will release a mature egg. So when you go through IVF, the idea is to pump you full of hormones so that your ovaries are going to overproduce follicles and mature eggs more rapidly than you would on your own. So that when they do go in for egg retrieval, they're able to collect anywhere from like one to 40 <laughs> and your body would only produce one egg. 
I did my egg retrieval. I had about nine follicles prior to starting IVF. By the end of the hormone treatment, I had 13, um, which is great. So they they really accelerated their growth. And then when we went in for egg retrieval, Dr. Amy was able to retrieve 10 mature eggs. That's amazing. Yeah. So pretty good. I was really excited about that, really happy with that. Um, and then from the eggs that they get, there's kind of this like drop off scale. So they, and I might get some of these numbers wrong, but so let's say they get 10 eggs of my 10, nine fertilized. And they know this within like the next 24 hours. So nine wow. fertilized, which is really great. And then from there, they expect about 50 of them sorry, 50% of them to drop off in this like five day waiting period, which is where they're waiting to see which of the fertilized eggs will turn into blastocysts. Gotcha. And the blastocyst is essentially like the early stage of the embryo. So this is usually a 50% drop off rate. So of my nine, um, seven made it into blast after five days, which was exceptional. Um, from there, only six survived the next day. And then they went off for genetic testing. Gotcha. And then the genetic testing is to rule out any chromosomal abnormalities. So this is obviously, you know, what we all think it is. It's to rule out genetic disorders, but it's also to rule out just any chromosomal abnormalities that could lead to miscarriage or anything that could complicate pregnancy. So it, it's broader than just genetic disorders. And so after we did that, we had five healthy embryos. This is exceptional. For someone with diminished ovarian reserve, this is like, hallelujah, this is so great. That's amazing. However, there is a curveball. <laughs> we oh, found gosh. out amidst this process that Dylan and I are both genetic carriers for cystic fibrosis. Oh, wow. Mm. Yeah, and this was um, caught us by total surprise. I don't have anyone in my family who's had, um, you know, present cystic fibrosis. We had to do a genetic carrier screening test. And essentially all this means is we have to do additional screening on the embryos. Okay. Can they pick that up with the screening that they can tell if the embryo, embryo carries the, the gene, the ge- I guess, yes. the mutation? Yeah. So they can, but it's not the same genetic test that like most embryos go through. It It's a very okay. specialized one. And it actually takes about two to three months additional to do this. Wow. So, okay. Yeah. So when we found this out, you know, it definitely put a huge speed bump in the timeline of when we were expecting to be able to transfer the embryos back in and try to be pregnant. So now we're just kind of in a waiting period while these embryos get tested and we'll see how many we have left after the cystic fibrosis testing. But fingers crossed, we'll be able to transfer this fall. (laughs) In those like tests, is there also like a test to see like male versus female? Yes. Are you going to do – are you doing that? Are you going to do that? 
So we know right now that we have three boys and two girls, which is, it's so crazy because, you know, we could get into the whole discussion about like, do you consider it life at this stage or not? And, and then like the matter of, you know, if you have embryos that you don't use, do you discard them? Do you donate them? Do you... It's like a whole morals and ethics conversation for another day. But it's <laughs> but it is crazy that to know that the sex of the embryos is three boys and two girls. That's so crazy. And we could choose, okay, let's start with a girl or let's start with a boy, but we've decided to just let our doctor surprise <gasps> us. Oh, that's exciting. I love that. Yeah, because yeah, because we'd probably never be able to decide, and you don't really want to like play God in that sense. Like we're already doing so much through science yeah. to facilitate this. I'm like, let's leave some element of it a surprise. Are you going to only transfer one egg at a time then? And yeah. yeah, we will only do one, um, and there's a possibility that it can split still and turn into twins it's pretty common that's so but i know but we're only going to transfer one because statistically speaking after we get the cystic fibrosis results will will probably only have three or four embryos um and that's like best case scenario so we just want to have some assurance that you know if we are going to have to do multiple rounds or like if the first couple rounds don't transfer or don't result in a pregnancy, you know, you have to keep trying. Um, and if they do work, then it would be great to have a couple embryos on ice so that we could have baby yeah. number two yes. someday. Yeah, absolutely. This is all very exciting. We are sending you all baby vibes. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. And honestly, we're here. If like you have any questions along the way, what whatsoever. Yeah. Like, okay. We never really yeah. know what we're talking about, but we sort of do. <laughs> <laughs> we love you, Sarah. Thank, Thank you so you much so for coming much, on. Sarah. Thank you. Let's jump into our Dear Mommy segment. Our Dear Mommy segment is presented by Nitsa. The first one is I just bought my first minivan. I'm due with my third child in November. Why do I feel so judged by my car choice? Ain't no shame in the van game. I mean, Evan got a minivan like a couple years ago, and I remember he was so um, he was like having a funny issue with it. And now I know he's buying his minivan because he was leasing it. So really, ain't no shame, you know. Do what you do what you can do to get those kids just safely around. And there's also like minivans are cool now. I feel like when you're at a soccer game or something, like if you have a minivan, you're part of the cool club. Listen, that trunk space is so like as legit. A, I know as a mom, you're like, eh, I don't know if I want a minivan. Then you open up the trunk and you're like, oh, maybe yes. I And the do doors, want. you can just like open the doors. It's really easy to get your kids in there and out of there. Yeah. I'm telling you, yeah. it's, it's not it's not bad. Minivans are making a comeback. You, they're making a comeback. And honestly, like there's cool ones too. Someone posted one the other day that had like these leather interior that was like sick. I was like, that is some fancy stuff right there. <laughs> Listen, you're just already cooler than everyone else because you're ahead of the game. You are. You are. And there are so many people with minivans, I'm telling you. And there are cool people with minivans. 
Leaving a child in a hot vehicle can lead to their death very quickly. Set cell phone reminders or place something you'll need in the back seat so you don't forget your child is in the car. Look for your baby before you lock. Paid for by NHTSA. Okay, we have one last one. So the last question is, I'm co-parenting with a covert narcissistic ex. Help. Oh, gosh. Man, that's so hard. There's just That's just like all about compromise, and it's hard. I don't have a really good answer for this. Can you it's, compromise with someone who's narcissistic? No, but you like ha- – I mean, you have to. They're a parent oh. too. You know what I mean? Because then they become more crazy if you don't. Uh, like you almost I don't I don't know there's no I don't think good answer for this actually. It that sucks. I'm sorry. That sucks. Yeah, I mean, just rely on, like we always say like rely on your support system, you know, like yeah. Oh my god. And if you have to get a lawyer, get a lawyer. There ain't no shame in like getting somebody to help you out, even if it's just to scare them a little bit into <laughs> doing the thing that you think is right. Like, yeah. obviously, protect your kids first, and if that narcissist is not giving you any wiggle room and you know that the right thing is what you think, then, I mean, really, there's no shame in maybe, like, getting a lawyer to scare them. That's what I say. I don't even know if that's good advice. <laughs> I don't know. I've dated, like, a true narcissist, and I just can, like, look back and remember – and. It's so hard because they will literally make you feel like you're the crazy one and you're the one doing everything wrong and that you're the one to blame um, for their behaviors. So it's so hard when you're trying to parent with somebody who can't be accountable, I would say. I I could imagine it being like that in a parenting situation. This mine was not. I remember how like low my self-esteem was And it was a very hard situation to get out of. So good for you for at least getting out of that situation. Yes. And doing what's best for you and your kids. Honestly, I feel like this is a situation where if you uh, have the finances to afford this, to seek out a professional who would be able to help you understand how to co-parent with (laughs) somebody, a narcissist. So. There are a lot of those type of counselors out there that can help you. They're like co-parenting counseling. Yeah. Now. Yeah. Yeah, because um, you are definitely going to need to like try to set up good boundaries for yourself and for your kids with somebody like that and to be able to hold firm with them and do what's best for your kids. So I feel for you, um, but I am really proud of you for getting out of that relationship. Yeah, that's brave. Lots of people don't even know where to begin to do that. Mm -hmm. Well, those are the questions we have for this week. But again, if you guys have questions, uh, message us, email us, call us, 844-844-MOMS. Because we want to answer your questions. We never know if we're doing it well or not, but we're doing it. So we're trying. We're trying. (laughs) We're trying. You can take our advice or not. It doesn't matter. (laughs) (laughs) But we're thankful to be able to like interact with you guys a little bit more this way. This is fun for us and hopefully fun for you guys. Yes. Send us your questions. Send us your birth stories. Thank you for listening. You guys are the greatest. We really appreciate you. And yeah, we'll see you next week, I guess. All right. Thank you.